Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. So the episode starts off in space. Mandalorian in the Razor Crest is in a bit of a duel with another pilot. Looks to be potentially another bounty hunter who's chasing him down, uh, and they've found him while out in outer space. Uh, he then steals Mandalorian's line about bringing in warmer cold. Mando doesn't like that and takes <laughs> him out. Uh, but he's taken on some damage, so he goes to a nearby planet, Tatooine. Uh, he lands uh, in a familiar uh, sort of... Um, Region. Region, uh, exactly. And uh, then kind of goes out on the town uh, looking for work uh, where he com- where he meets uh, after uh, getting somebody to fix his ship. Um, and uh, he meets this uh, kind of new kid on the block in the bounty hunter world. Meanwhile, uh, this woman who's kind of in charge of looking after his razor crest while he's out uh, seeking help uh, for other means, um, she already feels kind of shady. And then, of course... Of course, out wanders baby Yoda, and she's then made privy to the fact that he's not traveling as lonesomely as you might expect, and she gets a little high and mighty. Meanwhile, back with this new fellow traveler, um, Mando is kind of led to believe that this guy uh, is really just looking for a way to make a name for himself within the bounty hunting uh, guild. He um, shouldn't have to pay this guy anything. This guy is really just working for experience. Uh, but they run into um, some Tuscan Raiders, and um, the guy proves to be fairly clumsy, like across the board, very novice. Yes, he wants to make his name, and by entering the Bounty Hunter Guild, he's got uh, a bounty puck for a very high-end target that Mando can take out because she's a mercenary. She's worked with the Huts in the past, and uh, so they go out. They look for her. They've got the tracking area. Um, they're tracking her out and um, to the Dune Sea. And uh, they, after coming across the the sand people and, and whatnot, they see uh, what looks to be kind of somewhat of a trap, very similar to Chewie finding the, the Ewok trap in Return of the Jedi and getting them caught in a net. Uh, Mando goes out there and realizes that uh, he's been... He's walked out into a wide open area to get shots taken at, and now they've pinpointed the mountain range where their mercenary target is. They hide behind a sand dune until nighttime where they go out and shoot flares to put up distractions in the sky and ultimately pin down their target. So there's a bit of a a confrontation between the target and what's his name? Uh, Toro. Calican? Okay, Toro. Toro Calican. Um, And uh, she's kind of... um, mind incepting him a little bit she's kind of tricking him into uh, uh him allowing her to go free uh by having figured out that what he really wants is to make a, uh, a name for himself and she dangles Man- the word legend in front of him he's really keen on this idea that if he were to take out the mandalorian who doesn't have such a peachy relationship with the guild right now he would be a legend and that's the way to to make his reputation and so he he shoots the target and attempts to uh, overthrow the Mandalorian, but he's, again, just not slick enough for it. Yes, so the Mandalorian's out getting that dewback that was used as a, a target piece, i.e. the kind of the animal that had uh, that was used as the, as the bait. Uh, so he goes and gets that because there's not enough space in the speeder for all of them. But when he goes back and sees that uh, the target named Fennec Shand, um, when she, he sees that she's out, um, then he realizes what's happened, goes back, and then, yes, like you said pretty easily takes out uh, Toro Calican and uh, gets Baby Yoda back, and then they're off on their way. 
uh, let's just say off the top, pretty unspectacular episode. So clearly the worst of the season. And that's a shame because it's so loaded with fan service, which I was welcoming of. Like when I first saw this episode and I saw that they're landing in not just Tatooine, but most mm. icely, yeah. like you're, you're geared up. You want to like this. But there's a couple of things that that are problematic, and and I mean we can we can talk about this kind of alley actor who plays Toro in a moment if you want. But like uh, Amy Sedaris, it really takes you out of it. Um, just the inconsequence of this episode is mm. is frustrating overall. Absolutely. Uh, you said you don't have any trivia. No, not really. So I'm just going to give you the trivia right away sure. so that I'm not dancing around anything. Because um, I was even in the overview, I was realizing, oh, wait a minute, I've not said Toro Calican or Fennec Shand because they were backup trivia questions. I, I would have come up with Calican, but not Toro. Uh, yeah. So anyway, th they were just backup ones. I realized I've got enough other ones. But uh, Padawan question, uh, what is the name of this chapter? Uh, the gunslinger? Yes, the gunslinger. Yeah, and, and who is the gunslinger here? Is it Mando, or is it Toro, or is it this the boot that walks into frame? Uh, I think it's a lot of different things. Sure. I mean, we can talk about the the boot in in, in a second. Okay. Um, yeah, because that's, that's got a lot in there. That's uh, really the only thing that's especially compelling story-wise about this whole episode, and it happens in the final frame. Exactly, as yeah. well. Uh, oh, and the other character that I also... I've realized I had three different character names, all is like some of my backup questions. Also, Peli, Peli Motto, um, is the name of Amy Sedaris's character, the woman uh, who owns the mechanic area. Her casting in this is just so confounding, and I don't want to, like overstated but almost a little tone deaf it was like have you seen star wars before there's just something weird about this and i think you're trying to make her look like she's from the 80s to create a 100 faux pseudo star wars aesthetic and so you gave her this weird perm and a huge forehead and i just i i, I can't get past how weird her placement is in here it's not even really any, any disrespect to her she's a brilliant comedic performer. It's just, you spend half of the episode going, is that Amy Sedaris? And then the other <laughs> half going, why is that Amy Sedaris? It's <laughs> a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, but no, I couldn't agree more. I think you really hammered it home. And the way I really love the um, green leader, uh, no, blue leader, sorry, blue leader in Rogue One, um, because he looks like he belonged from the cast in like 1977. Yes. That's exactly what they're trying to do with Amy Sedaris, and it misses. Well, it's easier to do with that character from Rogue One. He's a character. Well, well yeah, and, and he's wearing a uniform, and mm -hmm. he's in a yeah. cockpit, and so you recognize that kind of look, but she's this new idea, and frankly, a new Mos Eisley. I was right about to say, this is also another thing, is because the Mos Eisley is different, for one, the fact that you have droids working at the bar as opposed to not even being welcome there. I actually think that's kind of clever. I that think is that's clever. A, a clever way to demonstrate how things have really changed. Changed. Yes, 100%. But even with that said, the charm of Mos Eisley is that there aren't that many humans. The no. charm of Mos Eisley is all of the aliens. That's why we love Mos Eisley, and that's why it's the the true capturing point of Star Wars, but also based on the way that Star Wars has been built out, a bit of a mistake by Ryan Johnson with The Last Jedi, in the sense that the aliens are the unwanted they're the scum and villainy they're the um the ones who have been downtrodden throughout the galaxy whereas yeah. the humans are the ones that have wealth and opportunity now that's not exclusive and all but another reason like why canto bite should have been all human based whereas in a lot of these cases you have like the backwater areas are very frequently um rich in different cultures as well so it's not like a singular like it's not just a bunch of people from a particular alien race that are 
poor and downtrodden. It's just all of the poor and downtrodden congregating in a singular place. Right. Almost like economically something happened to maybe all of Tatooine post Return of the Jedi that just changed its personnel uh, integrity. Like we know, I mean, there's been no one for so many years around the Skywalker farm. Mm. I mean, that's kind of a desolate area anyway. When we're talking about Mos Eisley and in particular the Cantina, you're right. It's it's empty and it was always seedy, yeah. but it was packed and it's not that anymore. No, it's just kind of seems like a gone by hotspot. Well, it's interesting because also there's Mos Espa, which is the rendezvous point that Fennec Shand is trying to get to. And right. she's saying that I can still get there. But Mos Espa, that's where Anakin's from. Oh, okay. And so Luke grows up outside Mos Eisley, but Anakin grew up in Mos Espa. A little less seedy, perhaps, or maybe even worse. Uh, Slaves and like, like it's a bigger area. Yeah. It appears to be a, a, a more populated. That's true. It feels uh, more metropolitan. Yeah, still scum and villainy, but yeah, a little bit less rural. But at the same time, Anakin was a slave for like a mechanic and junk trader. Whereas Luke was a farmer. So it made sense that Luke was in a more rural part of Tatooine, whereas yeah. Anakin would be in the hustle and the bustle. Okay. All Especially right. as he was a street racer as a kid, which kind of also aligns there as well. Yeah, that's a city thing. Yeah. Um, another... Uh, right, you were talking during a trivia and we really got derailed. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, which uh, which um, docking bay in Moss Eisley does Mando... Is it 25? 3-5. Uh, oh, okay. I see. I was going to get a little nitpicky and maybe even ask you to explain if, if like, English text uh, doesn't exist within Star Wars. How numbers work? Don't do, don't ask. Do numbers? It's don't ask. Don't ra- ask. Rabbit hole. <laughs> Rabbit hole doesn't work. It, it's, okay. It's, don't ask. Then they should. R two D two three C three PO are the best example of that. Yeah, but their names are words. They're not. Um, they're not actually uh, characters like digits, right? I mean, that's how we get around that. Well, you spell 3PO by like T-H-R-E-P-I-O. Yeah, but at the same time, like FN2187 in the same sort yeah. of way. It is a number. Yeah, Whereas, but you'd think but, they'd be smart enough to just avoid that stuff nowadays. Yeah, but you can't because C-3PO and R2 screwed it up from the very, very beginning. And you just can't not say numbers. Numbers are so essential. They're you, so integral. Like They say half an hour in this episode. Anytime yeah. time is measured in that capacity, it always seems a little bit weird. But everything goes back to Coruscant, which is Coruscant has a lot of shared characteristics with Earth. So we're all able to make those things okay. Is that a fact? Is that Coruscant is like Greenwich time? That's Three, standardized? 360 day years. That's 20, helpful. 24 hours. You might have told me that before, but that's helpful to be reminded of because I'm always a little taken out of it when they're like, I'm 17 years old. And I'm like, okay, but in what in what world? Coruscant world. Yeah. So when Chewbacca is can live to be 400 and he's 250 years old, like those that's Coruscant years. Somebody very clever decided to make that established. Uh, I'm curious to know. I, that was probably established before Coruscant was even introduced in the prequels. I imagine that was established when Coruscant was established in, in EU? extraneous EU prior to George Lucas even returning back. Probably. Could have been a Timothy Zahn thing for all we know. I mean, not for all we know. It's findable out there, but for all I know, I should say. Right, right. Uh, but and also, what, what's uh, what's Docking Bay does the Falcon leave? Oh, I don't know. Is it? It's not the same one. No, it's smaller. It looks smaller than where the Falcon is. And it's ninety four. Talking Bay ninety four. Okay, I was born in ninety four, so that's easy for me. That's how you remember. Yeah, the Falcon one is way bigger and cooler. By the way, this is kind of just a bit of a cheap set. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it also works. It does, and that is one thing that is nice. Is I find that although this episode 
was so clearly the worst. It also still had some good winning moments for it because of the location almost purely. Right. Um, and I guess let's do the, fi- the final one. Um, what is uh, Mando's down payment for the work on the Razor Crest? Uh, 500? Yeah, 500 what? Uh, imperial credits? Yeah, Imperial credits. I also was going to potentially ask you where does the pit droids uh, dispose of Toro's body, but I didn't think you'd get that one. No, I would not have gotten that. Yeah, it's Beggar's Canyon. Is this the most diplomatic depiction of Tusken Raiders we've ever seen? Yes, I did that actually. I have that as one of the winning moments. I thought that was very cool. Me the way too. That Mando, uh, I also, I thought it, for starters, I thought it was awesome that he did the, well, like, ask them yourself sort of thing. I forget what he said. Right. He may have said, ask them yourself. And if he did, then I should have wrote that down as one of the better lines in the episode. Um, but I liked that it was a surprise moment the way the Tuscan Raiders do, but it wasn't them immediately attacking. It was a really, really good, um, they kind of pull the rug out from under you because when they show him looking at the Tuscan Raiders mm-hmm. over the the vista through very similar we've been binoculars, here. you know what you're expecting, and then they kind of divert that. They subvert that by having them surprise you, but quietly. Yeah, and then I I really like the negotiation that they do, uh, and even the line, "Hey, those were brand new." Yeah. They were. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the price of doing business. <laughs> that's right. Here we go. Were being the opportune word here. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about Tuscan Raiders. Do we know a lot about their species? And if not, is it possible that they too are more of a creed? Uh, no. I'm... No, I'm quite positive. I'm okay. quite positive. No, uh, however, I did that have that as actually a, a pretty good line. Tuscans think they're the locals. Everyone else is just trespassing. That's true. Because it, in a certain way, it maybe is. We don't know. Maybe the Tuscans are the only locals. Maybe humans are local there. Oh, look, there. There's a lot of unpacking you can do. That that. I mean, the Tuscan Raiders are the natives to the land. You can pretty quickly get in kind of dicey uh, territory discussing oh. who they are representatively and, and who the real villains are. No, no, no. Like the Clone Wars, like almost every planet you get an, you get an example of that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's laced throughout Star Wars. So, Good. like, well, even the Ewoks. The Ewoks are the sure. prime example sure. of... Um, or I guess not so because it's less... They're not viewed as necessarily the enemy. They're not a threat to, to really. Although they are at the start when they ver- when the Ewoks capture Luke and Han, but they and, have the higher ground when they do that. Yeah, they, and, the, and they have the they have the right to do it under the circumstances. Course, yeah. that's that's what I'm trying to say. And so it, it's another good kind of understanding here, and it's good that Mando gets that. Kind but my of. point is, we kind of vilify the Tusken Raiders who don't just like go out looking for trouble. They're just defending their territory. No, they do kind of. They're yeah. they're a very um they are lawless yeah they're 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 a violent species okay they they like they stole shmi that's true that's a good point like for like they're a violent species you know i I just thought because we don't get a lot of like up close looks at them as as we did here and i just thought like is it possible that that's just a human wrapped in sun protective cloth and some kind of weird binoculars because that's what their creed does if you say that's that's factually canonically not the case that's fine but that could have been an interesting twist yeah i i forget whether it's uh, like religion or like skin not being like sun capable of like exposure wise i think it's like a kind of a cultural thing to not take it off although ray was actually supposed to be dressed up as tuscan raider as her uh, disguise at the start of episode nine in trevorrow's script 
Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, because you know how there's like the Leia's Bausch in the Return of the Jedi when she's going yeah. to rescue Han. Ray would have had kind of a like there would have been a Tuscan Raider kind of in the background, and you would have been like, "That's a little interesting." Do they exist outside of Tatooine? Uh, well, in this instance, I guess they would have. Uh, I don't believe we've seen them anywhere else with Tatooine. Uh, Obi Wan has uh, interactions with them in Legends. Um, in his twenty years, he has plenty of interactions with them. Because uh, until until that Ray goes to Tatooine in the final moments of the Skywalker saga, this is the only time we have uh, returned to an original Star Wars planet since Disney's acquisition, and that was what was so invigorating about this moment. Well, no, we go to Yavin in Rogue One. Okay, that's pretty important. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, Fair enough. I'm but, try- but Tatooine but, and Mos Eisley, I mean, this is very exciting. Without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. I am trying to think if, if there's another one, though. You might be right. That might be the only well, one. Certainly not in, in episode 789, because it always bothered me that they wouldn't try to incorporate that into the story. It seems so natural. Yeah, and they don't do it in Solo either. And that was the only way they could uh, yeah. they could tonally make the prequels feel like the same series as the original trilogy, which otherwise they didn't. But they went back to Tatooine, and you're like, okay, I'm at home. Yeah, there were a couple planets that they really should have considered going. Well, Coruscant being the, n- the number one full yeah. stop that they should have gone to in the <clears throat> sequels. But story for another day. Agreed. As Maz would say. Yes. Uh, okay, I'm a little uh, I'm a little scatterbrained here. Should we talk about? Should we rip off the bandaid and talk about what's his name? Boba. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that because that's that's a more joyful conversation. Oh, you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's talk yeah. about the Spurs at the end. Okay. It's almost definitely Boba Fett. It's the kind of shout-out that you do to the most hardcore of fans that no one gets a. Like, that doesn't blow it for anybody. It doesn't nope. make it obvious. It doesn't feel like you're, um, like, setting off your firework too early. It just, it feels very subtle where you you don't know for sure, but if you know the sound effects and, like, the subtleties, there's a cape, uh, you can enhance the lighting and zoom in and so you can see the fact that Okay, this guy is dressed in a similar sort of way. He's got a holster. The boots are the boots are not identical to the way or to Boba's boots, but they fold down at the top the way Boba's boots do. And we understand now that he doesn't have his Mandalorian armor anymore. So exactly. who knows what he's wearing? Exactly. And we also understand that he's he's not necessarily wearing that armor. Now, under those circumstances, the Spurs is the Spurs associated with his uniform and is Cobb Vanth in Boba's gear who we're meeting there. Right. Not likely. I believe it'll be Boba and it'll be him looking different and it'll be almost definitely because Tamara Morrison has been recast. I think they have to do that. Yeah, but if they're going to build to something, it's got to be Boba Fett. That, that's why people... That's the obvious thing you think about when you first see imagery of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You think of the classic image of Boba Fett. That's the reason they're doing this show is because it would be too weird to do a Boba Fett show. Yeah. But if they could find a way to weave him in oh, and they- give him the cool badass uh, story in live action that he's always deserved, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to do that. Make him the villain even. That would be cool as hell. <laughs> At least rivalrous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like have it... It'll be weird, though, because the face that we recognize, like, what is going to be the telling moment when we see him again? Well, we recognize the actor. That's the only thing that it can be, but that won't necessarily be the first thing that everybody will think of. Right. People will have to, like, people will have to go to, like, 
like a Django Fett connection. There must be something, maybe the cloner associated in that way because Boba knew the cloners. I mean, his dad is like, he is an unaltered clone. Right. So like Dr. Pershing from the earlier part, maybe there's an association there. Maybe Boba Fett has been hired by Dr. Pershing because, okay, we couldn't get it done with one Mandalorian. There's one guy that we know. I've heard of him. Um, I, like, in, in, we like, don't want to have to work with him, but maybe we have no other choice. Yes, we've worked with his kind in the past. We've right. worked with actually someone exactly like him in the yeah. past, <laughs> and it it didn't work out. Right. He, he, he kind of lost his head. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe there's a little subtextual allusion when Armando says in this episode, she's no good to us dead, which feels like a little similar to yeah. Boba Fett's line in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Fuck, I didn't get that. Yeah. Good one. Yes, great catch. Uh, and I blew it up as well, and I can show it to you after, but it's like there's... It's it's not much. You really don't get to see. They go so right. hard to show you nothing. So it's you so, see a boot and part of the bottom of a holster. Obviously, when this episode first aired, you and I discussed about the the likelihood that this is Boba Fett's boot. And then as the season went on, I kind of started to wonder more, especially as it finished. Maybe that's just what's his name uh, from Breaking Bad. A lot of people kept thinking it was Moff Gideon. I really, really didn't think that. Okay, I, that, I, like that was a big thing though. But before, like before he showed up, people were thinking maybe it's one of those two. I just, I don't for a second think that's it. It doesn't link. No, There's no reason to not show him. And also, when he shows up in episode seven, he didn't show up with like spurs. Like true. And then like, oh, this is the guy who it was who was following Mando before. Right. Uh, so under those circumstances, no, I think it's 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 Boba Fett or something that alludes to the story of Boba Fett and finding out an answer associated. But that'll probably be a season two thing. Toro Calican has some of the makings of an okay character. He gets some of the better dialogue in the episode. He just can't act. No, he can't act. And he looks and he looks like he sent an email before. I know that's my thing. I Absolutely. always focus on that. He has like a weird look to him that I just don't buy. I am already putting up my my blinkers when I see him with his feet on the table in that booth. Yep. And so already you are you're getting ballsy. If you're going to put him in there, you better make him cool because that's what you're t- telling us. You're telling us this guy is unbelievably fucking cool. Well, yes and no. Everything about his situation, he should be. Okay. I mean, he's not supposed to be cool. No. But at the same time, he's not supposed to be as incredibly lame as he is, I don't think. No, I agree. Um, But what they're going for, and I think it's even more obvious than anything, the earring? Who is the most famous badass to ever wear one earring other than pirates? (laughs) Uh, This feels like a trick question. I mean, He's the, Harrison Ford does wear earrings. Harrison Ford, yeah. yeah. I think that's even a direct th- call to Harrison Ford on top of the fact that he's wearing a vest 
and that he's like well have you not been talking about harrison ford this whole time because i have been like but that's what i'm saying like even like but like specifically like they're going after like even the harrison ford look like with the earring thing like that's not even a han thing but are you telling me even harrison ford they wanted me to be disappointed or they just wanted to subvert expectations they they wanted to subvert expectations that they just missed the mark so dramatically at him being such a terrible actor and being so lame again they could have cast him uh or they yeah they could have cast him differently and and maybe some of this dialogue would have been uh uh, salvageable i like i see him as like the merger of luke and han like if you put luke the farm boy who doesn't know anything in on the other side of the table in the initial scenario right like you're putting the the sheep in wolf's clothing but he's almost. not as honorable as either of those heroes no oh actually that's partially not necessarily true at this time he has a similar code to what han solo would have had i guess so han I- solo learns to develop his heart, whereas this guy chooses, oh, I'm going to go into the Mandal, I'm going to go into the bounty hunting world because I want the glory, whereas Han, the glory he gets is from saving the day. Right, and and that is what the lore leads us to believe, and that is implicit in yeah. in his, in Harrison Ford's coolness, 1977 circa, mm. but, oh, this misses the mark and all this stuff. I'm just going with what I, I think no, they're I, trying to go for. I was just going to say, I, I, don't, I don't think it's ever been well demonstrated that Han doesn't lead with his heart and his morals like i I don't think he says amoral maybe that is in his past but we don't see it in the movie solo a star Star wars story well that's why it didn't work it didn't work and so and so i don't know if we can necessarily say that this guy is equally as self-interested as our beloved han solo because i don't know if i think it's a a a false equal well yes and no because Han wanted money at this specific time. This guy doesn't necessarily care about money. He cares about reputation. Han, all he does is care about the reputation because he keeps talking about like the Millennium Falcon, how fast it is. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? She's the fastest ship in the, what does he say, the galaxy or the parsec or the system or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, but like Han's talking all about the reputation that he's accumulated in his time. Uh, but Han also like leaves at the end of that. He shoots first and that George Lucas changed that because he didn't want Han to be the bad guy. Whereas we all, he shot first because Han didn't have the code. He, he needed to get Greedo out of the way. Okay, but even in a Han shoots first world, would Han have ever turned on Luke in the first episode when they're just like kind of new friends and Luke is just kind of this annoying kid he just met and is having a cart around the galaxy? Would he ever have turned the pistol on Luke if it got him out of a jam? Because I don't think so. I don't think he would have, no. But under those circumstances, it was never... He was never in a position where he could have turned on Luke and taken all of the money. But right. then again, we also do learn that like that's like Han is okay with everybody winning to a degree. Actually, he does. He, he, he does take to, off with his. To portion. your point, he does in the beginning of the third act of the original Star Wars movie. Luke's pissed at him because Han's like taking his cash and jetting. Yeah, yeah, and he comes back he because come he back. has a moral compass, yeah. which Calican does not. But and that's the thing is he develops that moral compass because he spends time with. The incredible, heartwarming Luke and Leia, right. or, and our beloved, our beloved droids, and the old wizard. Right, exactly. Now, um, but yes, Jake Cannavale, shit actor, and I feel comfortable saying that because he also shat on Star Wars a little bit. Yeah, he's a brat. He's so yeah, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel any kind of uh, any kind of uh, remorse about that. I don't have a whole lot to say about him except for that he sucked. He wasted it. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's good that he's gone from Star Wars. He's dead, and he didn't. He, he already talked about how he's never done anything significant in his life, and he died in this episode. So we'll never see him again, which is great. Uh, but he had some of the good quotes. Looks like you're stuck with me now, partner. Uh, yeah. Who um, who wouldn't want to be a legend? Is a good line. Yes, it is. That and that might be the title. Uh, I was agreeing with that too. Uh, you're smarter than you look, from Pelly. That's that was good. All right, sun's down. Time to ride, Mando. Uh, she's no good to us dead. You already have something the guild values more than me and you don't see it. Mm. I mean, that's kind of good. I liked Pelly's line as well of, oh, that was really loud for your big old ears, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) How about she's got the high ground. She'll wait for us to make the first move. Yeah, that was another, that was another one of my favorites. Fan service. Oh, it's huge fan service. There's another one of those in Jedi Fallen Order as well. Is that right? Yeah. Another quote, like Stormtroopers talking about the high ground. I don't know, something with bones in it. I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? I just meat. Okay. All right. An animal of sorts, like the frog. You know what I'm noticing about Baby Yoda in this episode? He looks like a baby, but he does have white hair. <laughs> His little peach, fuzz, little is, peach fuzz is white like an old man's hair. That's funny. Because yeah. Yaddle does not have white hair. Is it brown? Yep. Looks Yaddle's weird. The, Yaddle's the worst looking. Yaddle is creepy as fuck looking. Yeah. You know, I was watching Empire Strikes Back last night, and... And that first scene with Yoda is charming, and and, and and I know that there's something to be said for the for the puppeteering of of these characters or the animatronic of these characters more mm. so than the CGI. Um, but to see this Frank Oz like this this practical puppet like wield a uh, wield a lightsaber, for example, would be so insane. It would be ridiculous. It would be so. And I actually don't. I'm not a fan of ever seeing Yoda's lightsaber. But like in this particular mm. like. He does, his look changes so much. You will be. You will be. <laughs> his dying words. No, it, those are his words when Luke goes into the cave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like something about fear. When I picture you Yoda, will be. When I picture Yoda's death, uh, all I can see are his teeth. And it's... His teeth are bad. It's creepy. I shouldn't be able to see Yoda's teeth. I uh, always picture uh, forever sleep, and then he's pulling up Qui-Gon's cloak like, fuck off, Luke. We're not talking about this. Is it Qui-Gon's cloak? <laughs> yeah, they did that in uh, from a certain point of view. So his blanket uh, that he wraps himself up in is Qui-Gon's cloak. That's terribly sweet. I know. <laughs> That's really nice. I don't have a whole lot of other observations about this. Um, it could have been a really exciting, gratifying episode, and it kind of rings hollow because it has a few pieces that... I just feel weird. And it was the first episode that wasn't uh, written by John Favreau. And so maybe he was mm. like trying to hand it off and that was just a little bit clunky. I think it was, oh, we've got seven episodes. We don't want seven episodes. We want eight episodes. And yeah. we also want to place uh, one kind of subtle hint. Let's do also a little bit of fan service by going back to Tatooine. So we're going to, we can introduce the Boba Fett thing. We need an extra episode. And Favreau was busy. So they got Filoni to write it. Yeah. And they said, it's got to be like a bottle episode. It's got to really have no connections to anything else. Uh, and if you remove it from the season, the only thing that is different is you don't haven't heard those spurs before. Yeah, they and, allude to something that's probably going to be... Um, and it may not even matter that we've heard those spurs before. Because no. the introduction of the character will likely come in a different capacity. So likely this episode will be easy to lift out. And that's why it was definitely the worst. Uh, but at the same time, it had a couple fun good little things uh baby yoda uh kind of sleeping all swaddled up was super cute oh when he walks out in, into the sunlight from he the razor crest like and he's sleepy like, he's kind of sad looking i think he thinks he was left behind like, what's going on <clears throat> yeah and, and then after when he's like excited hiding behind the baskets at the very end uh <laughs> after uh jake cannavale gets shot and he has to jump out of his arms right <laughs> that's really cute as well that's all i got about this 
Uh, yeah, the only other thing I had here um, was just the the strategy that they had to to get the drop on Fennec was kind of cool. But the fight that uh, Toro and Fennec had was so horribly lit. It yeah, was really like straight from Solo. And yeah, you, you couldn't see a damn thing. Also, cheap set, like like cheap production design in this episode overall. Couple times there that was. That was just a green screen. It's just like a, it's just a big red, uh, big green room. The volume, Colin. The volume. What about the volume? No, sorry. That's what the technology is called. Oh. The, the green screen style. Oh. It's, it's, it's constantly like the screen is always not, it's never green. It's always. Right. G- doing something and interactive. But yes, no, it's, it's called the volume. The volume. Which is well, a very fierce. douchey name. I think so. All right, well, let's move on to the news. Yes, did you pay attention to any of the news? Well, uh, I got sent a link today that I realize now I never really fully uh, explored, but I think we had a little... Who sent you a link? Becky. Oh, okay. I, I, th- I think it's a little bit of an update about like future worlds to be explored, right? Yeah, so there's a lot of things actually to talk about in kind of the, the world of news, uh, and I'll just kind of I'll go through them bit by bit. Uh, let's start off with uh, animated television. Okay. Uh, so the Clone Wars. Clone Wars has kicked back <laughs> off. Uh, the first episode was really quite good. It was a clone-focused episode. It was extremely similar to the not fully rendered versions that are on YouTube. So there's about seven or eight episodes that are on YouTube that were have always been unfinished. And it looks like of the 12 that they'll be just doing all of those as well and then giving us one more arc on top of that. I think that's, uh, I think that's good news for somebody who favors integrity in storytelling because yep. this shows that they have a singular vision that they intend to see through. Yep. And Dave Filoni, I mean, he's thrilled to be able to do that. And it's great that we're actually able to see that too. And it also leads me to believe that there's going to be some cool as shit stuff in those four episodes yeah. that could have never made it online. Because they it couldn't have been seen. Oh, sure. Additionally, if that is the case, we will see Boba Fett in uh, his Mandalorian armor in the Clone Wars. Okay, because he he never got to that point. He's been he's been a teenager and he's worn other kind of armor. But the un, there is an unfinished episode where he's wearing his dad's armor painted. We actually see him get the the dent in his helmet. Anakin must be pretty tormented in these episodes, right? Because he's right on the verge of turning to the dark side. These episodes are going to cross into Revenge of the Sith. That's awesome. And potentially beyond it a little bit at the end. And so this is it's really exciting as to, to how deep this can go. Like there's there's a pregnant Padme in the in some of the like trailers and such. And yeah, Anakin's gonna be very tormented, but I thought it was visually phenomenal looking too. It's one of the best it was it was the best animation i've ever seen for star wars so what else do you glean about the bigger picture given the fact that they have just been uh using their old original material well that's another interesting thing because i had been saying before how i believe that further cemented the likelihood of the rebels sequel and that there would be an animated series however i did hear um from so it's interesting because of the 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 rumor verse, and then there's the the reliable sources and the unreliable sources and the clickbait sources, and then you can find generally reliable sources who don't like to report things and they don't want to like rat out information that reliable people that they know have said, and i.e. they would never share that information um, because they know somebody at Lucasfilm, for example, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't want to give away the fact that they were shared like secret information and so they wouldn't do that their friend trusted them and so i've there's been a few people who i respect and listen to online who have given some hints that that may not be the case okay and that the animated rebels sequel show um 
there was that that may not actually be what's happening and that that was a very reasonable belief and that people were talking as if that was something coming but that may not be actually what it is okay. so i don't know what that means maybe it's going it's to very be very vague uh yeah but it just it, the likelihood is that this very reasonable rumor might not be accurate which means there could be a totally different plot for this animated show okay. or maybe this like so i i don't know but there's Smoke, well, there's smoke, there's fire usually, right. but the fire may be a different fire. Okay. So that's that's kind of interesting, whereas I was not necessarily thinking that before. If there's going to be a sequel to the Rebels animated series, what is the era that that's going to be set in? Like like roughly during the original trilogy also, or are we getting no. into like sequel trilogy territory? So no, so Rebels had a, Rebels takes place the, the four years, um, four or five years prior to um, A New Hope. Okay. So it, it ends a little bit before Rogue One. Yeah. Um, with that said, uh, there's a prologue at the end of Rebels that takes place right after Palpy dies. Mm-hmm. So right after the Battle of Endor. And so if they were to do a Rebels sequel series, it's reasonable to believe that it would then pick up then, which would be five, six years before The Mandalorian, or i.e., could at some point cross over timelines with that. I might be alone in this, but I really want to know more about Lor Santeca. It has yeah. al- always bothered me. Well, he is, uh, there is information about the fact he travels with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. So you're going to find out nothing about Lor Santeca until you find out about Luke Skywalker. Sure. Um, because he was essentially just a guy who was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try and if people support the force and believe in the force and like I'll be our, I'll be the underground priest that talks about all the good things that the Jedi did of the past. Do you think Mark Hamill would come back to do a voiceover? I've, Luke al- I've always wanted Mark Hamill like, cuz it makes just too much sense to just do what you do with the Clone Wars but do a young Ben Solo, Laura Santeca, Mark Hamill. It just makes too much sense. People would be psyched about People that. People would lose their fucking minds. I think they could get Mark Hamill. I mean, they might have to pay him a little bit. I hope they pay him through the goddamn nose. They're not going to pay Adam Driver. He won't do it. No, he wouldn't do it, and that's fine. Uh, the way that, I mean, but look at what Matt Lanter did with Clone Wars. I oh, mean, it can be done. It can be done, and like Mark Hamill's the kind of person where that's enough that you'd be able to get a shit ton of people who wouldn't normally watch anima- animation to watch the animation. Yes. Uh, Mark Hamill also just uh, agreed to do the Masters of the Universe animated TV show as well. Uh, and so that's a very Star Wars-y based thing. Kevin Smith's running that one. And so it's right. like... I heard like, about that. It, it just... There's... This is his arena yeah. more than anything. And so he's had a lot of frustration with Star Wars, but maybe a guy like Filoni would be able to get him back on board in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but he may be a little burnt that he never got to do some of that stuff live action, which be a bit of a bummer that everybody misses out for that. But at the same time, it would be understandable. I mean, he's human. All right. What else you got? Uh, so there's also, uh, JD Dillard. Do you know who JD Dillard? You ever heard that name? I don't uh, think so. so. JD Dillard and Matt Owens. Uh, they're two names who are being, by the sounds of things are being given or are in high talks of, uh, getting a star wars project okay and so uh jd dillard was a protege of jj's he worked on in small capacities mostly visual capacities on force awakens and and rise of skywalker uh he recently did a sci-fi thriller called slight okay um and so he directed that and he's potentially like he's highly like by every source there is thr variety all of them that he's getting a star wars movie wow um whether that's on disney plus or in the theaters is 
unknown. Interesting. Now, Bob Iger said they wouldn't do movies on Disney+. Plus. Nobody's remembered this. There's not a single source in the world who's remembered that he said that. Yeah. So under those circumstances, it makes me believe that maybe they're trying to go for something to fill the time slot in 2022 that they had promised when Dan and Dave were going to do it. Or maybe they changed their mind. Or maybe they changed their mind. Or maybe this is a television show and not... Uh, a movie either either way something new to Good. be excited about yeah uh, matt owens was a writer on luke cage and agents of shield okay uh and so he's going to be penning this uh but interestingly he also has done he did a comic a mace windu comic oh okay and so he did a mace windu comic and uh just generally based on some a lot of the work that he's done uh and people always make these sort of connections uh they're two young black guys uh he did a mace windu comic um, and there's also the potential of being able to use a Donald Glover. And so that is within 24 hours has now become the oh boy. Uh, direction that people are thinking, well, is, is that the project that they're going to work on? Are they going to kind of pick up in that area in the sense of you can take do more some Lando of, stuff? Yeah. Take some of the bones that have been set up by solo and being able to kind of create a new project in that regard. Okay. And so I'm not saying that it's necessary. I don't think it has any actual, um, I don't think there's any actual traction or a lot. I think this is purely just speculation that as people have joined upon and so thus Lando now becomes, Donald Glover now becomes the the image because nobody knows what J.D. Dillard looks like. So they'll just use a different uh, person that they can slap I'll on tell you one photo. Thing, one thing for sure. Donald Glover is not committing to doing a series that he's not running himself. Maybe a movie because it pays and it allows him to do more of the projects that he wants to do. Mm. But he's not getting tied down by someone else's long-term contracts. Not Donald Glover. No, I would agree. But I also don't, th I don't see very many things doing what The Mandalorian is doing. I see The Mandalorian as being one of the few... Uh, it's a limited series, but I believe it'll be a limited series of a minimum of four seasons. Whereas, like, the Cassian show, I could see being a limited series that gets one or two. Okay, but limited series is a meaningless term, because no, every it, it, series is limited. Yeah, no, it, limited meaning it starts with an ending in mind. Okay. In, in, in that, under that definition, in the sense of that it's not going to potentially run on for however long they can get it for. Right. Uh, and so under those circumstances, Obi-Wan's Obi going to be a limited series of... What we were told was six episodes. Maybe it's four now, but it's it's a singular season limited series. If we did a a solo series or if we did a Donald Glover's Lando series, I believe it would be limited in that capacity. Maybe. Whereas if we did a Kira Mall series, I could see that being open ended, open ended, or limited in a longer on a longer arc because the character, the, the the requirements, the people that you beginning. Um, the stories that you can tell, the side arcs, whereas Donald Glover is a singular character with, we know a fair bit about him. Maybe. And so there's some things you can do there. It's interesting. Still uh, feels like a long shot to me. But it seems like a long shot to me, and I think it's that's just a bit of kind of random ass speculation. But those guys seem to be, um, they're the only ones associated, uh, aside from like Kevin Foggy and John Favreau, with doing a movie, and he's the only director who's associated with directing one. So the rumor mill always churns up whatever is the most high-profile thing imaginable, too. Mm -hmm. Like, and this is one of the things I always say when we, whenever somebody wants to have the who should play 007 conversation, mm -hmm. the no matter who, no matter what, like what what uh, uh, race, gender, creed, whatever, no matter who you want to stick in that role. It's got to be an unknown. It's so much better when we deal with unknowns. That's that's how Star Wars was successful. And yeah. so, I mean, not exclusively, but like, uh, I, I'm way more excited to see what somebody does with new turf 
know what I mean? Really? Yeah. Now, I don't think you were, I don't know if you were illuminated on necessarily what's going on in full, but based, based on exactly what you just said, uh, Project Luminous. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I did, I did know that term. That was not intentional. No, but when it comes to new area, Project Luminous was announced uh, February 24th, which, uh, I don't know, what's today? Whatever it is. Recently, this week. Uh, Today's the 25th. I think this will come out on the 26th. Yeah, so uh, Project Luminous was announced, and it is a multi-cross-platform uh, project. I'll, I'll read the quick kind of definition. This will uh, be a time... Project Luminous. Uh, so it's going to be comics... Uh, other publishing platforms, and essentially it's building a new era out uh, of the High Republic, as discussed before. Right. Uh, and this will be cross multiple platforms telling stories with similar characters. And so it'll really, it's, it's about building out an era. It will be seen as incubation for uh, exploring what Star Wars can be. Uh, and it takes place 200 years, not 400 years like it was rumored to be. Okay. But 200 years before The Phantom Menace. Uh, and they have shit tons of artwork already made wow and so they got like the guy who designed darth maul to come in and like work with them so that as they're writing stories they're creating characters as if they were making a movie with them and as they're like creating a comic series where they're cross-platforming it with different events that align with the novels and so it's going to be built around the the great disaster which will be a natural occurrence that uh, shakes up essentially the foundation of the galaxy. Wow, okay. Uh, the Jedi act very much as Texas Rangers at this time, uh, patrolling the outer areas of the galaxy that are less, uh, I guess, aligned with Republic values, less, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, just, just structured. Structured, just like, modernized. I'm, yeah, it's okay. late. I'm losing my words yeah. about... Indoctrinated. Made into a civilization. Right. My words are escaping Civilized. Me. Yeah, not the word I was looking for. Anyway. <laughs> okay. um, but essentially, yeah. So exploring the, the potential unknown threats of the galaxy at this time period. The Sith will be in the shadows. Uh, but the main villains will be the Nile. Uh, it's spelled N-I-H-I-L. Okay. Uh, and these are uh, essentially just like warmongering mercenary uh like they describe them as um sid vicious in space uh right. which i don't really know fully what that means uh but they're they're very orc like uh they're supposed to be like evil vikings of like the sp of space okay and that they create a lot of problems on uh, on planets and jedi come in in that capacity but some of the artwork is crazy everybody's got a lightsaber it's a handful of cross guard lightsabers uh it's just it seems like we're it's really stepping back into um what everybody has explored in video games and wanted with the old republic and grassroots world building yes i friggin love it it sounds awesome yeah and yeah. so you've got all the best writers from the comics and the novels coming together to really kind of build this up and they'll be able to move on and build video games out from this era and movies and television shows uh and it's going to just essentially establish all that out and yoda will also be i he'll be around at this time frame so you can kind of include but much him. younger uh, not even that much younger. He'll be like 600. He'll be Yaddle's age, uh, yeah. the age that Yaddle is in The Phantom Menace. That'll be Yoda's age. So right. he'll still be council, uh, potentially, like on the council. And uh, But some of the visuals are, are really quite cool. Um, 
Yeah, this is what was sent to me a little earlier. Yeah, and just like the number of lightsabers, you're getting yellow lightsabers, you're getting dual-bladed green lightsabers. and This is how you make people happy. Yeah, you have some people bitching on the internet, like, just give us the old Republic like we want. And Disney's like here's this high republic and it's like oh why didn't we go like oh my god you don't get to decide you don't get to call the shots we can relax and just see if it's good first you didn't know what the fucking old republic was when star wars initially launched this new era right it's gonna be the exact same thing it's just this way now you won't bitch and moan that darth revan's not in it yeah and also they did disney came out with the darth revan uh like force fx lightsaber i.e. something that would not be unless it was canonized. Emperor Palpatine, all of the legions in The Rise of Skywalker were named after famous Sith. Mm. They named them after Old Republic era ones to canonize the names. Basically saying, all your shit we're going to say is canon on surface level. So the legends you can believe for now, believe those legends. We're going to go back 200 years, shape the galaxy. And then maybe if we want to go back more, we can after that. Right. You don't need to necessarily do it all in one foul swoop. No. Go back 200 years and let us explore this time period. Is it okay to have a galaxy without Jedi and like without Sith as the main antagonist of the Jedi? It does that create interesting circumstances. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it creates different. Maybe it creates, yeah, smaller sort of uh, scale. Like, what is this? The Great Disaster. Uh, There's going to be a book. It's called The Path of Light, I think. Uh, Light of, no, Light of the Jedi. Um, Light of the Jedi will be the first book kicking off this series, and it will likely be where the Great Disaster occurs. You really got my attention with the Great Disaster. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it seems very interesting. Well, and, and because it's it's so applicable to our universe and our vernacular, like it's... It, Star Wars is at its best when it feels real mm-hmm. and like our natural occurrence is so real, even if it's in a su- in like an extra real kind of universe. Well, it was interesting because before this even happened, you had said to me jokingly uh, last week, we should write episodes 10, 11, 12. Yeah. And just 10. Easy does it there. Fair enough. Okay. Episode 10. But even under those circumstances, I was thinking, how do you raise the stakes in the galaxy far, yeah. far away? And when you think about what the world uh, really battles against, war was the predominant uh, issue amongst the world when Star Wars was created. Exactly. What is it now? It's climate change. Yep. And so what Trevorrow was going for with the way of Kylo's ability to suck life and the death that he could create just by entering an area. I think you can do a lot with that, with the force kind of just killing the galaxy and the natural occurrences. You can have like planets potentially dying and just ha- losing all life force in that same capacity, the same way you have climate change and those yeah. things. And so there's so many different things in way you, like the world is more complicated than it's ever been. I wonder though. And there's so many different problems that you can just really explore differently because we have experienced as a as a society as humanity have 40 years now more of shit hitting the fan to experiment with than george lucas had i wonder though if you make a star wars fixture an allegory about climate change are you running the risk of um alienating uh like a partisanal sect of what would be your audience or is Disney going to be I don't think that I don't think you need to be that apparent I guess yeah I I think if you're really like banging it over the heads but then again 
Do you get woke police, though? People like complaining about what we decided to do with Star Wars storytelling. Yes, but the problem with that is when you have two background characters that mean absolutely nothing, two lesbians kissing at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, that specifically was extremely easy for Disney to cut out and send to China, i.e., that's why it was something of no significance built around. You're right. It's just virtue signaling. They're just trying to drum up headlines about it, how there's... Exactly. But if yeah. you embed this in the way that the story is told, I don't know, Return of the Jedi, the stormtroopers are the Americans. Yes. And America seemed to be pretty okay with that, making Star Wars its most heralded franchise of all time. But there wasn't an internet then. There wasn't. But in that same vein, you have the people that enjoy Star Wars at the surface level not looking into it as global warming. And then you have the people digging deeper. And if they're able to see kind of parallels in the universe, you can see other institutions uh, dying and melting away. You can have it as the American dream that's dying. And, right. Like there's always different ways that you can view it. And it's just about creating the right kind of metaphors that are more appropriate with the big problems in today's world. Okay. We got to wrap this up. What else All you right. got? Uh, no, that's mostly it. There's just, it? there's a lot of stuff. And I encourage you to explore a lot of the artwork uh, for the High Republic, it seems really interesting, and it's an exciting uh, potential time for new content. I think August is when we're going to be getting some of the the new High Republic content. Uh, happy birthday on Sunday, March first, to Ron Howard and Lupita Nyong'o. Nice. Uh, on bring thir- her into Star Wars again. Yeah, we might as well. I mean, she's been around forever. This character, we we might as well learn a little more about her. She's so underserviced in Episode Eight and Nine. No, I mean, like, yeah, bring Maz back, but also bring Lapita in sure. as anyone else. It sure. doesn't matter. It's not like her Maz voice is a regular voice. It kind of is. Yes and no. She's- Maz has got a sexy voice for someone so <laughs> someone so old, diminutive and strange. <laughs> uh, happy birthday on Thursday, March fifth, to Jake Lloyd, and next Wednesday to you, my brother Ross. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday. Okay, um, not a whole lot of uh, preamble for Gotta Cast 1. A Quiet Place 2 comes out soon. If you got to cast one in Star Wars, is it Emily Blunt or John Krasinski? Oh, very interesting. Uh, it's always cool because when you look to the High Republic, they had some really good artwork. And yeah. so people would be like, oh, this person looks like this person. This person looked like... Oh, I, sorry, I forgot. I got to mention this one. On the cover of uh, Light of the Jedi, three Jedi. Mm-hmm. Man, woman, Wookiee. Oh, a Jedi Wookiee. I've never even thought about that. Yeah. But why not, really? Absolutely. They're great warriors. Yep. Now, there's been Jedi Wookiees in Legends, uh, and uh, so I think this is fantastic. I yeah. think that's super cool. That's awesome. Um, But, oh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. See, once upon a time, the idea of John Krasinski being in Star Wars would be unheard of, but he is a genuine action star now and a sex symbol. No, I don't think... Yeah, I think that totally absolutely works in either way and i think they would both i think they could both really pull it off he would need to be a certain type of person though i can't you kind of can't see him as anything other than the heroic your heroic captain america and he was runner-up for captain america shocker but he has kind of got a similar chris evans quality where it's like although chris evans uh, he doesn't play a nice guy in knives out i guess and he did it really well uh Yes, but he's still smarmy. I don't. I have a hard time imagining Krasinski being smarmy. No, I can't really see that. But I maybe could, I could see Krasinski as being a bit of a Mace Windu type, uh, a bit of an Obi Wan type. Maybe someone who's just very, very, very by the book. Um, and Emily Blunt, fuck, she could play anything. She, yeah. But I'm going with the the High Republic era for both of them. Um, and I think you could get either of them to play Jedi. I think they're. They're just too. You, they're your Mister and Mrs. Fantastic. They yeah. but they should be Jedi. <laughs> they, right. They, they could. She could be anything. He could probably only be a Jedi. But I, I'd be happy with either of them. Got to cast one. Yeah. Uh, I'll pick her. Okay. 
All right. Let us know who you would cast in Star Wars at Recorder66 on Twitter. Email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. Watch up until the end of Chapter 6 of The Mandalorian Season 1 by next week. And until we're together again, may the Force be with you. Thank you.